What's going on, military cash flow family? Today, I'm going to share with you how I started investing in real estate while I was still in the military. Now, we've been getting a lot of feedback on the channel saying that you guys enjoy a little bit more of a story mode and just kind of walking through the through the eyes, right, of, of how we kind of look at things. So today, I'm going to do just that. I'm going to tell you some of my thought patterns about why I chose real estate and then some of the struggles I had early in the beginning and then what I did to kind of overcome that. So when I actually left the military, I had at that point in time, I think it was somewhere around 37 or 38 doors. Um, and I was able to kind of move into that transition without being overly concerned about finances. All right. So yeah, without further ado, let's get to it. Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn and Mike Glassby. And this is the Military Cash Flow Podcast where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now let's get started creating this military cash flow. All right. So let's talk some real estate. I was in SF. I went on a couple of deployments and those deployments didn't really turn out too well. Right. I personally lost some good friends of mine. Um, there was some switching of assignments where I kind of took over the roles of some of the people that I look up to, uh, because they had passed and there's just a lot of, you know, internal things going on. So it was around, um, 2015, um, where I was like, Hey, it was 2015 or 2016. Where I was like, I just, I know I can't do this anymore. I need to look for something else. Right. And so I, I tried everything. I, you know, one of the most popular ones that people hear of is Amway. I was an Amway guy. I was. Um, I also signed up for all kinds of coaching uh, in real estate and in other stuff that just didn't pan out. But I was urgently searching for something. Right. And because I had active income at the time and I had some savings and I was debt free, I just, you know, besides the house that I owned, I just really wanted to spend that money to, to tell for somebody to tell me the right answer. Finally, a uh, little bit later on, what I had been doing was I owned that house that I just mentioned, and I was already renting it out to a couple of buddies of mine, right? Uh, it was a single family house. I rented out rooms. I had a girlfriend that stayed there for a little bit, and then I rented out rooms to some of my buddies. And all I was trying to do was just cut down on the mortgage because in my mind, I was always taught save money, save money, save money. Well, you know, fast forward a year, year and a half, as I'm still digging around, I go to this real estate seminar and most of the real estate seminars I've been up been into at that point in time. We're talking about fix and flips and wholesales. And then this one here uh, mentioned house hacking, right? They said, uh, yeah, so this is how you save money. You just rent out space while you're living there. Boom, light bulb turned on. I was like, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. What are you telling? What are you telling me? You're telling me that I'm a, I'm a real estate investor? Ooh, changed the game. So what did I do? Took my ass out to Goodwill, got three new good suits and changed my LinkedIn profile to real estate investor, right? Because I was I was bona fide now, right? In my mind, I was legit. So as soon as I kind of found that, I was like, hey, I'm already real estate investing. I'm going to be a real estate investor. And so I started digging into the to the uh, styles of real estate investing, right? In the typical track record of a, of a real estate investor, if you hear most people, and I'm sure you guys can can relate to this, it's you start off wholesaling because you don't need any capital, right? Then you build up capital to start doing flips, right? And once you do a couple of flips, you build up enough capital to then put as a down payment on a rental. And then after you get so many rentals, you might be able to use the cash flow to get an apartment complex, right? That was the traditional pattern that was shown to me. And I'm sure most of you have heard that before in your life. And if you haven't, that's what was taught back in the day. Okay. So in my mind, the next practical step was wholesaling. So what did I do? I 
studied wholesaling as much as I could. I even went out and I got a mentor. Now the mentor helped me a little bit, but the mentor was very specifically niched into rent to own, lease options, seller financing. That was his real niche. So I attempted to go to him to learn wholesaling. And although he knew wholesaling, he didn't really know wholesaling. If you get what I'm saying, like he didn't, he didn't practice it in, in, you know, day in and day out. So I go off, I start negotiating my own wholesale deals and I'm just trying to make it happen. I paid for the list source back in the day. If you guys remember, like list source, you could just pull up this whole list of probate out of absentee owners, all these things. Most people don't even talk about list source anymore, but that's what I used. And I was able to pull out this big old list. I called, I called, I called. I was a cold caller called hours on end just to get maybe five responses out of like 60 people I called. Right. And I realized fairly quickly after a few months that no matter how many calls I got, if I got to get to the appointment, I maybe had six appointments, seven appointments. And then out of those seven appointments, I could maybe tie up one person. Right. I realized cold calling was not a skill of mine. Okay. I realized that there was something wrong. It could have been communication. My sales presented, maybe I was too lackadaisical. Maybe I didn't come off strong enough. I realized that cold calling was not my thing, but nonetheless, I was able to tie up a few wholesale deals in the process. So the first wholesale deal, the first wholesale deal, I got to tell you about this. If you guys uh, have read my book, uh, the elite investor, I go through it in detail about how I royally screwed it up. But synapses here, I essentially went in and I said, hey, let's come to an agreement. We came to an agreement and I signed it. I didn't do the numbers properly, just FYI. That's a little foreshadowing. We came to an agreement and we signed it. And then all of a sudden, guess what happened? Because I'm in the military, deployment orders hit. Boom, hit me hard. Had to leave in about two weeks. You know, as we, we moved kind of rapidly. Um, so all of a sudden I was like, what do I what do? I, do? Um, I tried. I tried to assign it to another wholesaler who I was in communication with just virtually taking advice from trying to figure out what he was got going on. And you know what he said? Yeah, absolutely, man. What kind of referral fee do you want? I told him at the time because I was so worried about the reputation. I said, bro, I don't even need a referral fee. Just get this house sold, please. I don't want this person to think I'm a shit bag. Well, you know what? I go on appointment. I come back. I reach out to the seller. She don't want to talk to me at all. I reach out to the guy. He says, yeah, man, nothing came out of it. I reach out to the property manager that made the connection. She says, nobody ever called her. Her brother was evicted and he was homeless for a couple of weeks. And that girl went into foreclosure. Right. The owner went into foreclosure. Uh, sick to my stomach. I was like, okay, hold on. This real estate thing, I gotta be, I gotta take it a little bit more serious because now I'm I'm messing with people's lives now. All right. So then that's when it really hit me. I have to be more serious. I have to know what I'm doing. So I did a few more wholesales after that. And luckily I made some money. No problems there. But as I mentioned, it was the whole cold calling process, what that meant for lead conversion, like how many people I actually converted into just even a phone call or I'm sorry, a, a in-person meeting. And then from those in-person meetings, how many of them I actually put under contract? I realized that it was just like, ah, marginal. Now, back then they were talking about virtual assistants, but I didn't really use virtual assistants. I was too stubborn. I was like, nah, man, I got this. I got this. I'm in the military. I can figure it out. So I was doing all the cold calling myself. So naturally I was like, yo, wholesaling is not for me. I made a little bit of money, but it just, ah, I just hated how slow and how long and how arduous it was. So as we fast forward, you know, I'm starting to look at more creative stuff. Or as I said, the mentor at the time was talking about seller financing, rent to own, lease options, all this other stuff. Well, uh, it was actually a friend of mine, to be quite honest. We were cool. He had gotten PCS orders. Now he is so old school mindset. 
where it's like, hey, you preserve your money. Don't trust anybody with your money. So it was a very difficult thing. You definitely don't trust people that you're close with, with your money. You only trust professionals. That was his mindset. So it was a very, very difficult barrier to get through. But he was in a situation where um, he essentially bought a house, VA loan, so there's no equity. Then he refinanced it in his second year. So again, no equity. And then in his third year, he got PCS orders, okay? Those PCS orders, permanent change of station, as most of you guys know, says, hey, I got to pick up and I got to move wherever the hell I go. At the same time, the marriage was kind of on the fritz a little bit, right? It wasn't really too tight. So lo and behold, after that entire conversation and negotiation and cutting my teeth and going to a bunch of experts like attorneys, property managers, contractors. I mean, like, oh, city officials, all these other people, right? Literally a laundry list of professionals. And I talked through the situation uh, with each one of them and not just like one attorney. I'm talking like seven attorneys, right? Seven property managers and so forth and so on. And I talked through the situation with each one of them. And finally, I find the people that understand what I'm asking for and what I'm looking for and what the situation is. And one of the attorneys was like, hey, this situation is kind of tight. They really don't want to deal with it. A good way to protect yourself and protect them, but be able to get into the property is something called a subject to, which is essentially where I take the deed of the property, but the mortgage stays in their name and I'm responsible for all the payments. I'm like, yo, this sounds like a magic trick. You mean to tell me I don't have to qualify for a mortgage. I don't have to put 20% down on this investment mortgage and I can just keep paying and I can rent it out. He was like, yeah, people do it all the time. So because I surrounded myself with the right people, I started to get the right ideas. So my first real rental property ever was a subject to, right? I mean, just coming out the gate was a subject to property. Most people have never even heard of subject to, and that's how I acquired my first rental. So once I saw the power of creativity when it came to real estate, oh, it sparked a bug. It was just like, ugh, I'm obsessed. All right. So I'm immediately, I was going to every single um, real estate meetup you could find, local meetups, uh, the big ones like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, all these other things. I started to meet people. I started to hear their stories. I started to see their processes and how they went about it. And I want to be honest, guys, bigger pockets. I'm going to give a shout out and we're going to tag it somewhere in the uh, description. So they might show us some love. Bigger pockets was a huge part of me just kind of exploring the real estate space, meeting different people, learning different ideas, listening to their podcast, actually communicating with people during the forums and the chats. And I started to learn so much around real estate. And I never, me personally, I never niched down. I never said, I'm the guy that's a wholesaler. I'm the guy that's um, whatever, an arbitrager. I pride myself on the ability to problem solve. That's like kind of my thing, right? I've been doing it for well over a decade in the military. That's what Green Berets do, right? Is we truly problem solve. Hell, every military member problem solves, right? But then I just applied it to real estate. So I pride myself on being a problem solver. I will find a tool that fits the solution, right? Or fits the problem. Um, so as we kind of explored more of what bigger pockets had to offer and all these people's stories, I just took what I liked. I just took pieces of the puzzle and I was like, okay, I like this part about it. Maybe how you negotiate it and how you positioned yourself, but I don't like the results you got. You didn't get the deal or you got the deal, but you were underwater, right? So how can I take maybe that part and then somebody else probably approached it all wrong, but somehow got a really great deal because those are the only numbers they knew. Okay. So how can I take that part? How can I take uh, finding more solutions? How can I take, and I just kind of made this jambalaya, if you will, 
of different uh, solutions and techniques and strategies about real estate. Because I mean, at the time, let's be honest, anybody who's active duty military, we're on somebody else's orders. We can deploy whenever they tell us to deploy. We can be gone and out of service and out of connection for months to years, right? So we have to be creative in what are our resources and how resourceful we can be. So as I'm starting to kind of put all that together, I'm starting to get a little bit more wholesale deals, right? I'm starting to get uh, a couple of more assignments. And then I find out all of a sudden, because I'm listening to people that, hey, the VA loan, that's not just a one and done type of thing. It's a one and rinse and repeat type of thing. <sighs> Mind blown pure epiphany, right? So you're telling me I can own a VA loan and I can go out and get another property with the VA loan at the same time. Oh, that changed the game. Now there's some stipulations to it. And I had to learn that along the way. But once I found out I can do that, what I did was my next property was a VA live-in flip. So check it out. So the VA loan I used to buy a second property simultaneously, because you buy properties at the same time, that next purchase has to be a minimum of $144,000. And it might be $145,000. I apologize. I don't have those numbers pulled up, but nonetheless, there's a threshold, right? This is called 145. It's a minimum of $145,000 that your simultaneous next property has to be. So I went out and I bought it. I bought it for right at $145,000, but I knew it was a beautiful property. I knew that the area was just thriving and most of the other properties are well in the 200s. So I move in much better than where I was. I turned my old VA into a full rental. I'm now living in this other one and guess what I'm doing? I'm house hacking it, right? So I'm reducing my mortgage by renting the bonus room at the time above the garage, okay? And while I'm in there, I'm just fixing up one room at a time. Me personally, now, I'm no handyman. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I'm not like the, the guy that can go in there and just build a cabinet deck out of a uh, oak tree. That's just not me, right? But what I mean by fixing it up was I was going in and I was painting. I was uh, changing the fixtures, you know, from um, I think at that time it was like pure brass and I was changing it to brush nickel or bronze. I can't even remember, but I was changing those fixtures, right? The lights, the ceiling fans, those are simple projects for me. Painting the property, um, landscaping was huge. Now I didn't do the landscaping, but I hired somebody to come in and landscape it, um, fix the fence and things of that nature and just slowly kind of improve the property while I was living there. Well, I only stayed there for nine months. And then I called the, the realtor that helped me buy it. And I said, Hey man, what do you think this property was sell for? At the time he was like, man, I, honestly, he walked it. He was like, I think we could put it on the market for 190. I'm like, yo, stop playing. I bought it for 144 with no money down. I put in a little bit of money to fix it up, but I did most of it myself. So let's just say, I, honestly, let's just say like $5,000. It wasn't much. And then all of a sudden now it's worth 190. I was like, yo, Let's put this thing on the market because it's not really a good rental at the time. I was living in it and I was reducing my mortgage, house hacking, right? So I still made even more money because I didn't have to, the holding costs, right? But it, it wasn't really a good rental. It wasn't just going to cash flow that well. So at the time, I thought the best option was, hey, let's just sell it. Boom. We put it on the market. We ended up settling somewhere around 185, 188. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but boom, we ended up selling it. You take out the realtor's commissions and all that good stuff, the amount that I owed on it. And I walked away with somewhere around $17,000, give or take after all expenses and everything. It was 17 to $20,000. But in my mind, I was like, yo, I just took like this, you know, people sign up bonuses for the military. Let's be honest, guy. We'll sign uh, retention bonuses for $5,000, $7,000. Maybe if we're lucky, $20,000. And in the uh, special operations world, we're praying for like a 40, 50, 
fifty or sixty thousand dollar type of one, right? We might get that. But you're telling me in nine months, I was just kind of half-assed. I was living there basically mortgage-free because I was renting out another space, and now I get to just turn around and sell this property for seventeen thousand dollars of profit, twenty thousand dollars profit another epiphany hit, right? So now I got this other VA, I'm using this, I sell that VA, and now I get all of that VA uh, qualification amount back again. So what do I do? I go out and I find a triplex this time, a multifamily. So most people have heard the story, multifamily house hacking is the way to go. Go out and buy you a quadplex, you live in one and you rent out the rest. But let's be, let's be honest guys, how many of us have actually went out and tried that and realized that quads and triplexes are just expensive. Like we can't afford it on a military salary. And luckily for me, where we were at, we were in Fayetteville, North Carolina, around Fort Bragg. That wasn't the case. I was able to actually qualify for a triplex or a quadplex. But here's the kicker. I used some of those wholesaling skills that I kind of found, and uh, I was able to get an off-market deal, right? Now, uh, the off-market deal was a portion of me doing a lot of lead generation, but because I was present and I was relevant in the investment community around Fayetteville, that deal was actually brought to me. They said, Hey, look, I can't make this deal happen, but I know you're buying. Are you interested? Here you go. This is the seller. Here you go. I can't make this happen. I'm going to back out. Right? So I talked to the seller. I figured out a situation, another distressed seller going through a divorce, needed to get rid of the property, wanted to take a little bit of money out of it to like, just get his mind right. And I was like, okay, let me take a look at it. Walk the property. It's in great condition. In my mind, I just freed up my VA loan. Yeah, man, let's do, let's do it. Called up my VA qualifier. Boom. I'm good to go. Ready for a loan for the purchase price. We just go get the appraisal done. Everything looks good. Boom. We close on the property. Now I got a triplex. I move in one of the units and now I rent out the other two. Right. And while I'm renting out the other two, one is a long term. So I can get that true house act where I got something to pay towards as a mortgage. And then one of the units is an Airbnb. So now I'm just banking on these, these big spreads on the Airbnb because the mortgage is truly covered by that one tenant. Now, mind you, in between that time, I was still, you know, as I soon, as soon as I saved up some money, I'd buy another investment property here. You know, I'd buy an investment property there. I was still investing. The VA loan alone allowed me to be active duty and still acquire some great opportunities to build capital through some live-in flips um, and to, to really reduce expenses through the house hack. Now, by the time that ended, at that point in time, I was uh, now licensed as a real estate agent. I had about a year left in the military from when I acquired that triplex. And so now I'm living basically rent free again. And the other property is paying for itself, right? And the other properties are paying for themselves. I've done a few wholesale deals, but now I'm licensed. So I was really leaning on the team at the time to help provide me leads, um, to go out there and get more deals done. And I had a much larger split then where the team would keep a piece and then I would keep a piece. But why? Because the team was generating the leads. All right. That's fine. I was perfectly okay with that because I just needed supplemental income because the military was still paying me. So boom, boom, boom. I'm stacking up this money, stacking up this money. And then when I hit about six months out from uh, leaving the military, I do the internship program. And if you guys are not familiar, the internship program, it can be called uh, the career skills program in the military or the skills bridge program in the Marines. I'm not sure about Coast Guard, Air Force or Navy, but I guarantee you there is an internship program. What it does is it allows you to separate completely from your military unit and work for another company for six months. But 
for those final six months of your contract, you're still getting paid full time and have full military benefits. It's amazing. It allows you to have that stable check coming in while you're preparing yourself for your new career, your new life. So for me, I was able to go out and I was able to continue to sell real estate and continue to invest and build up massive amount of reserves while I had a steady paycheck. And all those massive reserves, I, I use it all to invest, to be quite honest. And that's how I was able to scale so quickly. Uh, hindsight 2020, be, well, it's your own risk tolerance. So I'm not going to tell you what to do. I was a lot less risk adverse. And so I wanted to go out and buy more real estate properties. Hindsight being 2020, I think I would have much rather prefer to buy really quality rental properties build them up to a certain level of cash flow, and then just pay down the debt on those properties um, instead of owning so many. Um, but that's neither here or there. That, that journey um, through those last couple of years of the military really allowed me to, to be able to create that financial cushion before the transition. And so when I left the military, by the time I left, I had somewhere around 38 to 40 some odd uh, rental, rental units. And we always say rental units because um, let's just say it's a quadplex, right? So there's four units under one roof. Well, technically, since it's one roof, it can be considered one property, but there's four different units, essentially four units that are making money are being rented out. So I call it units, right? So at that point in time, I had somewhere around 38 to 40 some odd units. Um, but when I transitioned out of the military, um, which was amazing, but as you guys are starting to experience with real estate, a lot of times that's just like self-sustaining. You're like, you're not taking that money. Those rents are going to pay the mortgages and pay for repairs and so forth and so on. But it, it still gave me like a confidence boost to say, okay, you know, this is okay uh, for us to leave now. And I had a reserve um, kind of built up as well. And as I left the military, the trajectory just kind of kept going in a positive direction. I kept acquiring more. And I, the skill sets that I learned was, you know, instrumental in all of that. And the fact that I had a portfolio made it easier for me to get loans and, and negotiate deals and the list goes on. But starting early and starting, all, I'm going to say young, I don't care where you are in your journey. I don't care how old you are really, right? If you want to invest in real estate, my recommendation based off my personal experience, right? It's just use that VA loan, man. Use that VA loan because that is so powerful, right? You can essentially buy a property with zero money down, live in that sucker and house hack it if you really can, right? I understand that as you have families, children's uh, spouses, you don't really want to expose all of them to different variables of different roommates. And I get that. I get that. I really do. But if you have the option to, and you feel safe enough to do so, that's a powerful way to really escalate or elevate your, your real estate investing game, right? So that's a little story about how I was able to invest in real estate while I was still in the military, while I was still active duty. And I hope you guys got some value out of that. If you did, then you got to hit the like button, obviously. And you got to subscribe if you haven't subscribed, because if you haven't subscribed, what the hell are you doing, right? And then leave a comment below and let me know how you got started um, investing in real estate and active duty. And if you haven't gotten started yet, Go ahead and leave a comment below and tell me why. Why not? Why haven't you got to start? What, is, what are you concerned about? And let's see if, you know, maybe the community come together and we can help you get started if that's what you want. But hey guys, as always, I really appreciate you guys coming and checking out the channel. This community is growing. I love it. Like-minded individuals helping each other grow. It's a beautiful thing. But hey, until next time, this is Mike Glassby signing off.